Yo, 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 good afternoon and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 188 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Back again with Football Recap and Takeaways Tuesday episode, as I'll do a recap of all the action of Week 8 in the NFL, along with my takeaways from Week 8 in the NFL. And I'll do the same with College Football Week 9, my um, recap and takeaways from Week 9 in College Football, coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get episode 188 started. We're going to start my opening takes. You know where I'm going to start them. It's in the NFL. We're going to start off with the Dallas Cowboys versus the Los Angeles Rams. Now, personally, as I said on Friday, I thought this would be a close game. I figure, you know, the combination of Cooper Cup and um and Puka, and Puka Nakata would um challenge the um, Dallas um, secondary, but... Dallas went out and punched the Rams in the mouth, and the Rams never recovered. Started off with a big old long 13-play drive to start off the game and scored 17 points in the first quarter. Scored 16 in the second quarter. I mean, they, they looked like they were about to blow the Rams out of this game, in which they pretty much did. They won the game 43-20. to Dak Prescott probably had his best game of the year. He, had, he was 25 of 31 passing, 304 yards, four touchdowns. He did have one interception. They didn't, they didn't get much in the running game. Tony Pollard had 53 yards, but they didn't need it. CeeDee Lamb probably had his best game of the year. He had 158 yards, 12 catches, two touchdowns. Brandon Cooks, 41, 49 yards and a touchdown. And Jake Ferguson, the tight end, 47 yards. For the Rams, um, Matthew Stafford, 162 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And of course, he exited the game early with a thumb injury. Roy Freeman, 44 yards rushing. Daryl Henderson, only 31 yards. Didn't get much out of the running game there. And of course, as a team, the Rams only had 92 yards. And in the receiving, um, the leading receiver was um, Daryl Henderson, the running back, 54 yards. I mean, Puka Nakata was nowhere to be found, only 43 yards. Cooper Cup only had 21 yards. For the Dallas Cowboys, this is a good win for them. Only the fact that they're now 5-2, they're one game behind the Philadelphia Eagles, which they play next Sunday in a big-time matchup to see who can take the early lead in the NFC East. So we're def- definitely looking forward to that game next Sunday. As for the Rams, they're struggling. I mean, we don't know how long Math- if Matthew Stafford's going to be out or not. I think last thing I saw that it was day-to-day. But right now, their biggest problem is they don't have much of a running game to speak of. I mean, I mean basically what they have now, they don't have a big-time running back. They just have basically a bunch of average, average running backs. And basically, Matthew Stafford has to do it. Has to do do it all, and that's not good. And this is not the type of um, offense that uses Sean McVay runs. 
I mean, usually these offenses are much more are much more balanced, and right now there is no balance. But slowly but surely, they're kind of, they're falling behind in the um, NFC um, West, and like I say, three and five, it, 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 they can't turn it around, but it's they, they're gonna they're gonna have to start winning some games and fast. If not, then this will be a, this will be the second straight year that um, Sean McVay and company are, are watching the um, playoffs on the couch with you and me. I mean, coming up on their schedule, they have they have the Packers, then a bye week, then the Seahawks a second time, the Cardinals, and the Browns. Now, could they turn? It's not going to be easy turning around, especially against two division foes. But, you know, stranger things happen. But this is the NFL, and it's any given Sunday. So, we'll see what the Rams do going forward. Now, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, of course, this was this was a very close game throughout most of the, most of the game. I mean... It was only like nine to three at halftime. I mean, I predicted this, this was going to be a defensive game, which it was for the most part. But the Jacksonville Jaguars and company—they've they, probably been the best team on the NFL on the road, and they were able to go into Pittsburgh and pull out a twenty to ten victory. Trevor Lawrence, twenty-four thirty-two, two hundred ninety-two yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Travis Etienne, 79 yards. And on the receiving end, Evan Ingram, 88 yards receiving. Callan Release, 83 yards. And Travis Etienne, 70 yards receiving and a touchdown. For the Steelers, Kenny Pickett was terrible. I mean, he was only 10 of 16 for 73 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. And of course, he left the game early with a thumb injury. In comes Mitchell Trubisky, who didn't do much better. I mean, 138 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. And they had nothing in the running game. I mean, it's like Najee Harris and Jalen Warren didn't even show up. 19 yards for Jalen Warren and 13 yards rushing for Najee Harris. They only had 70 yards as a, as a team in rushing. And we all know that's not a typical Pittsburgh Steelers team. I mean, Dante Johnson had 85 yards, Najee Harris 42 yards, and George Pickens only had 22 yards, and he had the one touchdown. No, what's up with that? George Pickens is one of your best receivers, and he only he only gets one um, reception. Yeah, I think I think I'm with. I'm, if I was a Pittsburgh fan, I they need to have some fire, Matt Can Can Canna. Canada signs up there because offensively they're just inconsistent. I mean, there's too many good players on this team to, 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 to be four and three and struggling on offense. This, I mean, halfway to the season. For the Jaguars, of course, they're right, they're riding high. They're six and two. They're on top of the um, AFC South. And as I stated, Early in the season, this is their this is their um, division to lose. 
and they go into the bye week riding high. Now let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Cleveland Browns. The Seattle Seahawks with a game on a game-winning drive by Geno Smith was able to pull out a 24 to 20 victory over the Cleveland Browns who came in the game riding high. I mean, they were actually leading this game through, throughout through, throughout. But they were not able to hold off the Seahawks in the end. Actually, my mistake, Seahawks took an early 10-point lead and then their defense um, stifled the um, Seahawks for the next two quarters, but not enough offense to push them over the top. For the Seahawks, Geno Smith had 252 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Kenneth Walker, the third, 66 yards. Tyler Lockett, 81 yards. DK Metcalf, 67 yards. P.J. Walker had 248 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Kareem Hunt, 55 yards. Jerome Ford, 37 yards. Amari Cooper, 89 yards. David Naku, 77 yards and a touchdown. So for the Cleveland Browns, I mean, they're 4-3 and they're still in the thick of things. But... They better hope Deshaun Watson gets back soon. I mean, P.J. Walker, I mean, he's held his own. You know, he's won two out of three games that he's been out, that Deshaun Watson's been out. But I don't think they can hold, he can do much more than that. I mean, he's, I mean, he's basically a backup. But they're going to need Deshaun Watson to get healthy if they're going to move forward. Because like I say, Miles Garrett and company, and the defense is holding serve. Now it's need the offense to complement them. Now let's move on to Cincinnati versus my 49ers. Once again, another poor showing by the 49ers defense. As the Cincinnati Bengals came into San Francisco and won this game 31 to 17. The, the, the defense was 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 terrible. Joe Burrow completed at one point 19 straight passes. He only had four incompletions this whole game. He had 283 yards, 28 of 32 passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Joe Mixon had 87 yards, rushing in a touchdown. Jamar Chase, 10 catches, 100 yards, and a TD. I mean, I don't know what's going on with my with my 49ers defense. It's almost like I don't even recognize it. And I think most fans would agree. This is not the same defense that was number one last season. More on that in my takeaways. Brock Purdy, I know there's a lot of, he's being blamed for a lot of this, but he's, he's not to be blamed. He had 365 yards, one touchdown. He did have two bad interceptions. And of course, he, he led... The team in rushing as well. Christian McCaffrey only had 54 yards and a touchdown. George Kittle, looking like his old self again, had nine catches, 149 yards. 
Brandon Ayuk, 109 yards receiving. And Chris McCaffrey, 64 yards. For the Cincinnati Bengals, they're back on track. And if they keep playing like they played in this game, nobody's going to beat this team. I mean, they got a big matchup coming up next Sunday versus the Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football. Can't wait for that one. For my 49ers, after starting up 5-0, looking like they were unbeatable, they've lost three straight. And of course, there's a lot of blame to go along. I know most people are putting it on Purdy because, you know, when you're the quarterback, you get all the glory when you win, you get all the blame when you lose. But there's a lot more to this. As I say, the defense isn't stopping nobody. They're not getting off the field on a consistent basis. And as I stated, more on that in my takeaways. But the bye week couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, they're reeling, but they're not out of it. During this bye week, I'm sure Coach Kyle Shanahan and company are going to get together and figure out what the problems are. Of course, it'll help when Trent Williams and Debo Samuel return, hopefully after the bye week. Because obviously, since these two men have been out of the lineup, this offense has not been the same. As for the defensive side, it's almost like they're not being put in good positions to make plays. So Steve Wilkes and company need to go back to the drawing board and figure maybe he need maybe during the bye week he needs to watch hours of 49er tape when Robert Sala and Amico Ryans was the head were, def, were coordinating this defense. Because right now the way he's coordinating this defense isn't getting it done and we've lost three straight. So, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I believe they'll bounce back eventually. But it starts after the bye week. Now let's go now to my takeaways from week eight in the NFL. First takeaway. I think we have a new era in Tennessee, and it's time to end the old one. That's right. Will Levis who was drafted by the Tennessee Titans in this past draft, came in for the injured Ryan Tannehill. And he had an excellent debut as he helped the Titans win, beat the Falcons 28-23. It looks like um, Will Levis has, may have just punched his ticket to being the quarterback long term. I mean, he was 200, he, he passed for 238 yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions. And he, Derrick Henry even looked good in this game. And so did DeAndre Hopkins, who caught three of the four touchdowns. I think it's time now for Tennessee to move on from Brian Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill has been a good quarterback, but he's not been able to get it done when it counts the most, and that's the playoffs. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, I mean, with, he's taken the Tennessee Titans as far as he can. They can't go any further with, with him as quarterback, and it's showing. So I think it's time to move off of Tannehill and, and let Will Levis start playing for the rest of the season 
get get his own lumps and bumps in, his growing pains, and see what you what you got with him for the next couple of seasons. So they don't so for the Titans, they don't have to worry about, you know, putting Derrick Henry on the trade market. And maybe they can keep DeAndre Hopkins for another year or two to help this kid grow as a quarterback in the league. Second takeaway. If I'm Devontae Adams, after the, after the um, season, he needs to, he needs to find, force his way out of Oakland. I mean, they're just basically, he's just basically wasting his time there. Wasting the rest of his career there. When he first went there, he went there to play with his um, old college um, quarterback, Derek Carr. Derek Carr got shipped out at the end of the season, at the end of the season last year. And now he's and now he's playing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Not not that, that and of course that's not a knock on Jimmy Garoppolo. I always believe that he's a good quarterback. But the problem is this Raiders offense is not doing anything to make to, to help Devontae Adams succeed. He's not being put in good positions. The offensive line for the um Raiders is terrible. So Jimmy Garoppolo barely has any time to throw. I mean, the Detroit Lions, they sacked him like five or six times in that game. I mean, they have the running back in Josh Jacobs, but Devontae Adams only having one catch in the game and only had, what, a total close to maybe 50 yards the game prior? I mean, what is Josh McDaniels doing? I mean, does, does he did he does he forgot that he has Devontae Adams on this team? Yeah, I know it's not in Devontae Adams' nature, but he needs to get out of there, or he's just gonna continue to waste the rest of his career there. He's still in his prime, and he's not being treated like he is. So if he needs to act the fool doing Antonio Brown or whatever, he needs to, he needs to find a way out of Oakland. Because, I mean, all the money they're paying him is not worth the headache that he's going through. Third takeaway. This, it's, we're going we're gonna to focus on the receivers here. Who would you say is the best receiver in the NFL right now? Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams? Not Devontae Adams. Um, A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of these men right now are putting up some big time numbers. Both of these men, you could argue, are the best two receivers in the NFL. Tyreek Hill, he's already got a thousand yards receiving, and it's only week eight. There's a good chance he could break the 2,000 receiving mark, maybe even 2,100. If he puts up 130 yards a game, for the rest of the season. AJ Brown, who got off to a relatively slow start, and even him and um Jalen Hurts had a little had a little disagreement. But ever since that, AJ Brown has been on a tear. AJ Brown has close to a, to a, um a thousand yards receiving. I mean, over the last five games he's had 700 yards 
and five touchdowns. A.J. Brown, I mean, he's one of those um, players that can... I mean, he can. He, I mean, he, he's a possession receiver. He can catch the ball and get down the field. Tyreek Hill is just basically a track star at a wide receiver's body. But if I had to go with who who is number one and number two, I'd probably have to go with Tyreek Hill with AJ Brown a a very close second, maybe one one A Tyreek Hill, one B AJ Brown. But either way. These guys are balling. And barring any injuries to either one, these two men possibly could get, we could probably have two 2,000 receivers in one season. That would be awesome. Fourth takeaway, you got to feel for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins tore his ACL and now he's out for the season. Kirk Cousins has never missed a game in his NFL career, except during the COVID time. But now, he's at a crossroads, because when they were struggling, there was talk that, you know, he could be traded in midseason. But then they started getting it together, and now, of course, they're 4-4. Four and four, And they're still in the, in the mix in the um, NFC North. But now, Kirk Cousins, who tore his ACL, will be, will be out for the season. So what that means now is, did he play his last game as a Minnesota Viking? It'll be interesting to see. And of course, a lot of that's going to play a part on whether Justin Jefferson resigns with the Minnesota Vikings. Because if he doesn't, as I stated, don't be surprised if old Joe Burrow and Mar Chase you know, call call up Justin Jefferson and say, let's bring LSU back to I mean, back together again in the NFL. Of course, I'm just throwing that out there. But we'll see what happens. But you gotta feel for Kirk Cousins. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, like a lot of us, we've been critical of him, you know. He's not great in prime time. You know, he is a hot and cold quarterback, but he is a good quarterback. He just some 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 games you think what's what's up with this guy and other games like wow he's a he, he's an excellent quarterback but you got to feel for Kurt Cousins and we just hope that he has a speedy recovery and can get back on the field final takeaway this goes to my 49ers and now I'm going to address the Steve Wilkes situation of course a lot of former players I heard um, a man Richard Sherman talked about how Kyle Shanahan may replace Steve Wilkes as defensive coordinator. And there's a lot of former players think that he is the problem and why the 49ers have been struggling. And of course, you've had some beat writers have said that he needs to be fired. Here's, here's my take on it. I don't see what for. I don't agree with he should be fired. What I do think is he needs to, you know, maybe watch some film, as I stated earlier, on how D'Amico Ryan's and Robert Sala ran this ran this defense, because it's obvious the way he's running it is is not panning out. I mean, he's not putting the, the players in positions to succeed. Now, to be fair. I mean, 
the, the 49ers are one of the leader, league leaders in interceptions. So that part is good. But the pass rush is not where, where it once was. Nick Bosa isn't dominating. I mean, Fred Warner, of course, is balling. But as of right now, I mean, teams are, are able to run the ball on the Niners with ease. And they're not getting off the field on a consistent basis. Is this a Steve Wilkes problem? I mean, yeah, he shoulders some blame, but the players have to go out there and make the plays. Fred Warner said this best in his um, post-game interview. Players win games, not coaches. So even if they replace them, who are you going to replace them with? I mean, you're going to replace them with some, I mean, inside inside, um, coach? I mean, they should have did that. After D'Amico Ryans went to Houston to become the head coach. All Steve Wilkes just needs to do is he just needs to figure out, figure it out. I mean, what is he doing that's not working that worked prior? I understand that when you're a new, when you're a a, a new coach, you want to put, you want to put your stamp on, on, on the defense. But the problem is this defense was already good. It wasn't like they were bad when you when he inherited it. He inherited a a top five defense, and right now he's turned him into a, a bottom ten defense. So I'm not gonna say he needs to be fired, but he but he does need to change course, and Coach Kyle Shanahan needs to make sure that he changed course and changed course during the bye week, whether it's. Have him come down on the field instead of sit up in the booth. Or whatever. But they need to change course because now they've lost the lead in the NFC West. And now and, and, and the schedule gets a little tougher. I mean, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Seahawks, twice in three in three games, and the Eagles. And right now, this defense does not look equipped to take on any of these four teams. Sad to say. But I believe they'll turn it around when they come off the bye. Well, that'll, that, that'll do it for my NFL segment. Now let's go to college football. Let's start off with the um, greatest outdoor party known as Georgia, Florida. Now, uh, Georgia spotted Florida seven points. After that, they basically just took over the game. And they cruised to a 43-20 victory over Florida. No No Brock Bowers, no problem. Carson Beck had 315 yards passing, two touchdowns. DeAndre Edwards had 96 yards rushing, two touchdowns. And Lad McCorney had 135 yards and one TD. Graham Mitz had um, 230 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Montrell um, Johnson Jr., 82 yards. And Ricky um, Pearsall had 99 yards receiving. Well, Georgia's showing that they're ready for a three-peat. 
Now that would be interesting to see if they could actually three-peat in college and I mean as um world champions in college football. Right now, they're 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 playing like they are ready for another championship. Barring what happens in the SEC championship, of course. As for Florida, I mean they were they were just not in Georgia's league in this game. And right now, they they have a long way to go before they're relevant again. But it looks like Georgia's going to win this SEC East and punch their ticket to another SEC championship. Now let's move on to Oregon versus Utah. And, of course, Oregon won this game 35-6. to This was basically it. This game was basically a joke. I mean, Oregon, they came out, scored 14 points in the first quarter, and they never looked back. Utah had no offense in this game. They could only match six points. Bo Nix, I mean, he was he was balling. 248 yards, two touchdown passes. Bucky Irvin had 83 yards and a touchdown. And Troy Franklin had 99 yards and a touchdown. And the Oregon defense just basically kept um, the Utah Utes out the end zone and took the crowd out of the game. Brinson um, Barnes, not Nate Johnson or um, Cameron um, Rising, had 136 yards and two interceptions. They didn't get much out of the running game either. And the receiving core, not much there either. So basically, they were the Utah Utes were just no match for Oregon in this game. I know Oregon was just clicking on all cylinders in this one, and now it looks like Oregon may have a have has a shot of possibly making the of maybe getting into the um college foot not in the college football playoff but the Pac-12 championship. So here's what they have coming up in their last four games, Cal, USC, Arizona State, and Oregon State. So they got they, they got some um, couple of tough matchups there. I'd say USC and um, Oregon State. But they better hope Washington can at least lose one game coming, I mean, coming up to get to have a chance to um, play in the um, Pac-12 championship. Now let's go to Louisville versus Duke, another game that wasn't 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 much to sneeze at, as um, Louisville won this game single-handedly, twenty-three to nothing. What did I say um, in my Friday um, episode that this this Duke offense cannot be trusted, and they proved me right. Roy Leonard, their quarterback, I mean he was nine of twenty-three for one hundred twenty-one yards and interception. They only had 51 yards of the team rushing. And Jordan Moore had 92 of the 121 yards that um, Roy Leonard passed for. I mean, this offense was really bad in this game. I mean, the Louisville um, offense wasn't wasn't great. I, I mean, they were okay. I mean, they rushed for 234 yards as a team. I mean, Jawa Jordan had 163 yards and two touchdowns. 
They had 234 yards as a team. Jack Plummer only managed 117 yards, but he wasn't needed. But Louisville, they, they may have a, they may be playing Florida State for the ACC championship in December. So it's good. But they looked they looked they looked okay. They weren't, you know, like I say, white beat. I mean, they weren't um beaters, but they were able, they were able to get the job done against a poor Duke offense. Now let's go to my takeaways from week nine in college football. I would say f- first takeaway. We're gonna start with um Jim. Marvin Harris Jr. Should we be giving this man some love for MVP for um height for Heisman Trophy? I mean, he's arguably the best receiver in college football right now, and he's definitely going to be gone in the first five picks. I mean, the son of Marvin Harrison, he's got forty-eight receptions. 889 yards and 8 touchdowns. Now I get it, it's mostly a quarterback award, but who's the why not put Marvin Harrison Jr. in the, in the mix for the Heisman along with Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix. Well, I'll put his way, if I had a vote, I mean, he's getting he's getting my um my vote for being an, a, a a Heisman candidate. I mean, he's just Unstoppable. I mean, he's 6'4", 205. And like I say, he's going to have an excellent NFL career. Just like his old man. Second takeaway. Are we seeing the end of the Dabble Sweeney era in Clemson? We one, has to, we one has to ask. Because Clemson right now is not... Is, 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 is looking terrible this season. It's obviously not their year. They are four and four. But over the, over the last several years, I mean, they've been getting close, but they've been they, they they haven't got they've missed the college football playoff, which it looks like it will be for the third straight year. But Dabble's not getting fired. So I'm, that's not what I'm saying, and that's not what I'm suggesting. I mean, Dabble's won two championships in seven years. And yes, they have looked bad. I mean, the, the quarterback play has, 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 has been awful. The defense is not what it used to be. Yeah, they're obviously missing Brent Venables. But it looks like, you know... Dabble's just not getting it done like he used to. Now, how many more seasons like this they have to have before he um before he needs to step down and maybe turn over a new um lead remains to be seen. But right now, I think um we need to take a hard look and see if Clemson needs to make a change, needs to either make a change or they just need to say to Dabble, you know, thank you, you've had your time, but it might be time to move in a different direction. That would be, that would be my thing. 
That breaks it down for, well, actually one more story here, a takeaway. I just saw a story in college football that the ACC is looking to expand a 17-team league. That's right. The ACC has unveiled a seven-year football scheduling model as a 17-team league with new members Cal, Stanford, and SMU. Well, we all know what this is about. They're trying to um, be like the um, Big Ten and the SEC, who's, who's adding some other teams to their conference so they can have a super league. The only thing about this is, geologically, this doesn't make any sense. You're going to have Clemson playing Stanford going all the way over the, the West Coast and vice versa. And, you know, all the ACC teams on the East Coast are going to have to go to the West Coast and vice versa. Geologically, it doesn't make any sense to me. And not only that, all the rivalries, it seems like, you know, they're going to be the way of the past in college football. As a lot of these um, schools are just moving out and trying to come over to the big conferences like the Big Ten and the SEC. And almost like they're creating the college football is creating a mini NFL in my view. I mean, there's always talk, everybody always talks about how the NFL copies a lot of what college is doing. <laughs> Before you know it, college is going to be copying a lot of what the NFL is doing because they seem like they're trying to create a college version of the NFL. I mean, they got the um, NIL so players can get paid as they rightfully deserve to for bringing all the revenue to the schools. But all these um, super conferences, it's just going to take away all the, the rivalries that we've, uh, you know, grown to, to enjoy in college football, what made most of us college football fans in the first place. So I want to be interested to see how this, how this works out and see how this super conference, how it's going to, if it's going to benefit college football positively or negatively. Well, that will conclude the college football segment. But before I um, close out, we got some news that came down the pike in the NBA. That's right. It has finally happened. James Harden has been, has been um, traded to his preferred destination, the Los Angeles Clippers. So here's what... The, Here's what um how the deal went down. The clip the the, the the 76ers sent James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Flip Prusavers. If I said that wrong, my apologies. For Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Buntum, and KJ Martin, a 2023 unprotected first round pick. Two second round picks, a 2029 pick swap, and an additional first round pick that be um, routed from a third team. And of course, the Sixers wave um, veteran Danny Gray to create some roster space for this trade. Okay, well, it it was obvious that something was coming down the down the pipe because. They told Harden to stay away while the Sixers were on these on this on this two-game road trip. 
And I think the um the, the 76ers made a smart move by going going ahead and, and getting Harden out of there. Because he was just going to be a distraction even when he did come back. Because all they've been talking about is his relationship with, with Daniel Morey, which he says is broken and cannot be repaired. So now the Clippers are going to pair James Harden up with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. In other words, they got themselves a super team, the um, Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, you have four Hall of Fame superstars on one team. Now, will this make them top contenders? It has to. That is, that is, if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can stay healthy. Because we all know these men are susceptible to injuries. They are injury prone. So if they get if if, if this if this team can stay healthy, they definitely are gonna be a threat to get to the NBA Finals. Now for the Sixers, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to play um, w- um good basketball. Now that there's no more distraction in James Harden. But they better find a way to make Embiid happy. Because not having James having that second realm score there puts, puts more on um, Joel Embiid. So somewhere down the line, you know, hope these um, other um, role players can play a role in helping the 76ers get to where they need to go. But in closing, if the Clippers don't at least get to the um, Western Conference Finals, then this trade is all for naught. It'll be a big letdown. And then it, I would think it would be time for them to break this team up if they do not get to at least the Western Conference Finals. And now we'll conclude episode 188 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you stream your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13. You can follow my Facebook page, Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.